And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything's potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. Welcome so to Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard. Professional sports fan joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And Jay, what the hell happened in Los Angeles? Uh, Two back-to-back bad performances from the Celtics. And this time it was, uh, I would put the blame... Primarily on the defense, which was not something I was expecting uh, from this Celtics team this far in the season. Yeah, I think they have to realize that they need to be a defensive-minded team. And if they're not a defensive-minded team and they have lapses on that end, it's not going to end well for them. <laughs> like, that's just how it is. This, the offense is not good enough, that, not even against a Clippers team that didn't have Paul George, that hasn't had Kawhi Leonard all year, the Celtics, they can't get away with that. And they tried. They tried very <laughs> hard to get away with it. They, The whole game against the Lakers, basically, they were just allowing dunk after dunk, layup after layup. Russell Westbrook especially, that was the most glaring because he can't do much else except dunk and make layups. And if he takes jumpers, you are totally fine with that. They let him get to the hoop all night long. Too much of it was way too easy. They come back the next night against the Clippers, and the first half was a lot of the same. 30 points in the paint for the Clippers in the first half. Brandon Boston went absolutely wild. He seemed to be wide open almost every time. And then by the time you do cover him, he's hot enough to hit, like, spinning (laughs) 28-footers at the end of the first half. So I I just think the Celtics have to get back to – what worked for them back to what helped them win. I think it was either 10 or 11 out of 15 or 16 games. They, they've got to play defense. They've got to be one of the best defensive teams in the league because they're not going to score at an extremely high rate. The thing is like, what do they need another team meeting? Does like Marcus Smart need to call them out again? I, I just don't understand what has changed um, from that kind of two week stretch where they were one of the best defensive teams in the league. Like, they played the Lakers before, and then after the first quarter, they pretty much shut them down when they were in Boston. Seemed like a real track meet when they were playing in L.A., and once Jason Tatum stopped having, like, an amazing um, performance. I mean, he still ended up with 30 against the Lakers, but it really did not have much else help on the offensive. And what's changed for the defense? Is it is it simply a matter of effort, or is, like, Really not having Jalen Brown out there been a problem. I just don't understand uh, why, how they can like 
pretty much this entire West Coast trip. Like the the Blazers are a awful team, but they've just been getting smoked on the defensive end uh, for against three of those four games. I do think not having Jalen Brown is an issue. Um, obviously, he's one of their most versatile defenders. Obviously, he's six foot seven, long, and athletic, and can fill a lot of different roles for you defensively. That said, like the Celtics are fully capable of of playing good defense without Jalen Brown. Uh, I just thought they were lack of days ago. Like I went back and watched all of Brandon Boston's shots, and it was just just disgusting. <laughs> just just truly gross defense. There were there was one time like Robert Williams was switching out onto him and just switched and was like five feet short. And I know obviously Brandon Boston isn't like the biggest threat ever. He's not a guy that that the Celtics players were probably too concerned about, but the coaches let them know he just scored forty six in a G League game. He's always been a guy with this reputation of score, and he's going to try to score the basketball. And the Celtics were just relaxed. Um, like, he kicked their ass. <laughs> he really kicked their ass. Like, he had, an, he had a physical bucket over Marcus Smart and got a technical for taunting. Like, and, and it's pretty badass. Not going to lie. Pretty badass. Pretty, like, a direct challenge to the Celtics. Well, the thing is, and, the like that. That. and that's the thing. It's like, like no, they did the classic thing. Order to, yeah, that, to wake up. <laughs> that's the classic Celtics thing is like, oh, we'll make the game close in the fourth quarter by playing uh, the type of basketball, one, we're capable of, and like two, that we know, like clearly after the third quarter, they knew they needed to put in uh, more effort and like get back into the game. And I think that's the most frustrating part. And it feels like that's been – um, kind of a, a theme of this team, not just this season, but all of last season is that they have the ability and capability to put it together, but it only seems to come out once they're down by 13 or 14. And then it's just like, it's really hard to like have an entire 15 point uh, comeback and then kind of sustain that. Like how many Celtics games over the past year and a half have been uh, Celtics rally late in the fourth quarter and cut a 20 point deficit to five, but then don't have it enough to like take it over the edge. And so it's just like, and Ime is seems just as flustered as I am right now, where he's just has no real good explanation for why they sometimes come out flat. And that's a, like shouts to Ime for continuing his streak of just being extremely honest, but I don't think that's what you necessarily want to hear from your head coach is that he just doesn't know what's going to happen when the guys go out there. Yeah. And look, like for, what was it? Three weeks, a month, they were very consistent defensively. And it's just kind of been on this road trip that they've relaxed on, on that end. Um, And I include the jazz game. I, I'm not sure what to make of the Blazers game because they were just a broken squad. Like, <laughs> no, no matter of bad defense was going to let the, the Blazers succeed in that game. Um, but the last two nights in, in Los Angeles, certainly, like, they took their foot off the gas defensively. And they just – they can't afford to be like that because they're, they don't shoot well enough. Like, they had a ton of turnovers – against the Clippers, some of which were just 
uncharacteristic. Like Jason Tatum rarely turns the ball over. He had six, including four in the first half. Um, and then like even even when they were coming back, like they probably should have won that game, but they just made a bunch of dumb decisions. Like Marcus Smart throws an alley oop too high. Grant Williams turns and throws a dribble handoff to literally nobody. Literally nobody. And then not only that, he fouls seventy feet away from the bucket in in the in the bonus. And it was the second time he had fouled in the bonus like that. The first time he did it, it gave the Clippers a two for one. And so it's like stuff like that is just when you're coming back, mental mistakes that you can't have. Um I thought it was interesting that Ime Udoka went from the Lakers game just pulled everyone with five and a half minutes left, just decided we're going to punt on this game. We're going to move on to the next one. And then the next night he's like, fuck it guys. We're coming back. Jason Tatum, <laughs> 22 second half minutes. Mar- Marcus Smart, 22 second half minutes. Dennis Schroeder, Al Horford, 20 plus second half minutes. <laughs> it's like, okay. Okay. And so he, he wanted that comeback. He knew that the Celtics players, like he challenged them. Um, to to come back and show a little medal, and they did. Like they played hard as hell. That last, I don't know, twenty twenty minutes ish was they played phenomenally hard. They were picking up full court. Marcus Smart was making demon defensive plays. Jason Tatum was picking up full court. Even he was rebounding like hell. He was getting out in transition, dunking, roaring at the crowd like. But they have to play like that all the time. And they have to have that defensive intensity all the time. If they don't, they'll be mediocre. They're a 500 team now. They were a 500 team last season. Obviously, they've been missing Jalen Brown a lot of this season. Obviously, this trip was pretty tough. But with no Paul George, like that's an opportunity to get one. And I think a great team realizes that. I think the Celtics are a good team. They're an average team. A great team goes into Los Angeles, sees Paul George is out, and just stomps on the Clippers. The Celtics saw Paul George's out. I was like, oh, well, we can relax. We don't have to guard Brandon Boston. We don't have to do all the things that makes us competitive. And they didn't wake up until it was too late. They did wake up, though. Um, so I don't know what to make of that. But they've got a really tough game to finish off the road trip. And if they don't beat the Suns, if they don't upset the Suns, it's going to be a 1-4 and four trip, a really disappointing trip, and they'll be under 500. And the schedule does not get any easier because then they come back and have to play Milwaukee, then Golden State, then the Knicks on the on a back-to-back, and then Philly again. Like the December schedule, we knew going into the season, December was going to be tough. Um, and also, I think going into the season, we knew that the Celtics had – they weren't a great team. Like they just didn't have the kind of talent to – be up there in the kind of the top tier of the Eastern Conference, despite what um, we might have predicted in the Predict Every Single Game podcast. I think we were all well, a little bit too close to 50 wins, um, no matter where we were there. We're just like a little bit too close there. But the thing is that you're right. They just don't have the margin of error what it, like they, they think they have. Like they think they can go in and just beat the Clippers because they don't have Paul George. Um or they think they can just not play uh, intense defense for 48 minutes. And it's just kind of bizarre because they've already lost 
13, like they're 15 and or they're 13 and 13 right now. They're 500 on the year. They started off really poorly and like being a great defensive team is what led them to wins. Now I may just be a, a first year law student, but like why not do the things that lead to wins? Like it's just like, why would you, why would you go eight and three or like 11 and fit over the 15 and play a phenomenal defense and just high intensity defense? Why would you stop doing that? Uh, and just think you're okay. It's just the, because like, it's hard to do that because it's really hard every night to summon that defensive intensity and be one of the top five defensive teams in the league. Like it's just really extremely difficult to do that every single night. And you have to be special when you have to do it, especially no, in the NBA when, when you're on the road and you're going from Salt Lake to Portland for a back to back, then you're going to LA for another back to back. Like it, that's draining. And, and to be a great defensive team, you have to be able to, to muster the energy on that, on those nights. The Celtics like for a month looked like a great defensive team, but the best defensive teams don't have that slippage. They don't have those nights when it's like, Oh, Brandon Boston's out there. <laughs> let's, let's give him seven feet of cushion. Let's let him rock. And well, it seems like they should also, happen. they should also realize that like, that's what they need to do. Like they, they can't win a shootout. Like we saw in the Utah game that they just like, even if their offense is really clicking, they still, they like, like they're never going to have a win that's just like, Oh, the offense is the one that brought us through. Like winning basketball for the Celtics means playing very intense on the defensive end and winning like in a gritty fashion. And I, like, I understand it's difficult. I mean, obviously it's the, it's difficult to win in the NBA. If you just look at the Eastern Conference standings, like luckily enough for the Celtics, everything's so kind of condensed from pretty much seeds four through 10 through, I guess I'll include the Knicks in there 11. Like, there's still an opportunity for them to kind of turn things around, but you're right. They do need to be more consistent and bring it defensively every night, just because right now, I think especially with Jalen Brown out, they just don't have the offensive talent to kind of just score with teams. And so maybe it takes an ass kicking. Maybe it takes Ime. Maybe it takes a one and four uh, road trip, but it's going to be a very tough month of December, no matter what happens, just because, that's the way the schedule works out. Um, and it, I think this is like when it, when Ime shows what he can do, it's like, it's on him somewhat. I mean, eventually, ultimately it's on the players to like, you know, show up and play hard defense and do what they're, um, paid millions of dollars to do. But I think this is like Ime's chance. Like he's supposed to be the kind of hard nose, tough motivator who gets along with the players, but still, um, like calls them out and holds them accountable. They basically need to play very good defense on every single night. Let's, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they respond with still a, a tough schedule uh, remaining December. They have Phoenix, like I mentioned, all the other games I mentioned, but then they still, they have the Clippers again. They play the Bucks twice. The Suns come back to town. Like it's just not going to be easy uh, for the rest of the season. And they need to be better than 500 at this point, just because, that like all the other teams in the East, like I keep on waiting for the Wizards to uh, collapse. The Wizards have like come down a little bit, but they're still a couple games ahead of the Celtics. The Heat were without uh, Bam last night. They beat the Bucks. Like all these teams in the Eastern Conference are pretty good. They're still around the um, 
kind of 500 threshold. And with the Celtics having such a tough schedule, they just can't afford to fall, even if it's like two or three games behind, just because they're never going to catch up at that point. Yeah, and I think one stat that really stood out is the Celtics are, I think, 5-11 and 11 when allowing their opponent to score at least 100 points. And 100 points isn't like some huge, huge marker. It's It's not like that's allowing a team to go absolutely bonkers. 100 points is a subpar night for a lot of teams across the NBA. The Celtics are 5-11 and 11 when they allow teams to get to that number. And so it, it's abundantly clear that they're not going to win shootouts and that if their defense isn't sharp and their defense isn't very good, then they're not a good team. And they have to realize that. They have to commit to that. They have to do everything to to be grimy. And when they don't, there's Russell Westbrook flying for dumps. Dancing. Dancing on fools. And, and rocking, rocking the cradle. And, and when they don't, there's Brandon Boston strumming his guitar after, like, his fifth three of the night. Like, my man Brandon Boston was out there strumming guitars on these guys. That's that's not great. Not great. Not great. It's like maybe they do need to be angry. Like maybe the Brad approach of the past of not getting too high, not getting too low is like maybe it was a detriment because they were just like, oh, can't just think about this loss too much. Maybe they need to think about losses like this and play angry because it does feel like they played angry and a little bit more inspired there in that fourth quarter. Um, so it's going to be interesting how they respond. I think especially in the Phoenix Suns game. Like, they've got embarrassed uh, against the Lakers on national television, then they got embarrassed uh, by a rookie. It's going to be – now they have a serious challenge in front of them in the Suns who are playing uh, just insane basketball at this point um, to won nine of their last ten. Uh, it's going to be very fascinating to see what happens from the Celtics. That 100 points thing is kind of wild. Like, when I grew up – Watching basketball with my dad, he used to tell me the first team to 100 points would always win. Obviously, we've evolved to an uh, era of the NBA where there's a lot more scoring. But just to know that, like, oh, if the other team gets more than 100, which is very, very common in the NBA, the Celtics probably don't have a shot. It's a little disheartening. Maybe maybe they should be uh, shown that stat. Maybe they'll uh, kind of ratchet up the defense because they were – they weren't always the prettiest games, but when they're holding teams to like 88 points, um, the wins came rolling in. Yeah, yeah, they need to be grimy, and they need to and be they grimy. were grimy in the second half. Like they did, they had a lot of fun defensive plays in that second half. Marcus Smart, like I said, was a demon. That one play where he just pretended like he wasn't paying attention. And then, like, sprinted over and, and ripped Reggie Jackson. It was just fantastic. He timed it perfectly. Reggie spun. Smart ran in. Went in for the a bucket the other way. But you can't get away with being – when you're the Celtics and when you're around – a little better than 20th, I think, in offense at this point. Whatever it is. They're, they're around 20th in offense. You cannot get away – with defensive slippage. And, and look, this this road trip was always going to be tough. Jalen being out on it made it even tougher. Two back-to-backs on a Western Conference road trip 
Like that's, that's difficult. And it's difficult to be sharp. It's difficult to be at your best. But like, that's what 500 teams do. They go one and three on that trip so far, probably one and four. They've, yeah, the best, gotta, the best they can do. They're not just a mediocre team. Um, and J- Jalen coming back will change things. The, the defense without Jalen so far this season, I think would rank in like the twenties. So their defense has been much, much worse when he's off the court, much, much worse when he's hurt. Um, well, other teams find way to win without like missing players. I just mentioned Miami, like they were without Bam. Like guys step up in this league. Like good teams will find ways to win without kind of star players. It, obviously, not having Jalen hurts, but like it's not an excuse for a uh, uh, seemingly lackadaisical effort. And we don't even like once they fix the defense, then we I think they can start focusing on the turnovers. Like to have thirty. How many turnovers they have yesterday? It was 23. Well, it was like 33 points off of 23 turnovers, something like that. Some ridiculous stat. You just can't have that many turnovers. And I don't even know if like they they can focus on that first. Like they need to focus on being locked in defensively, then worry about the kind of turnovers after that. Uh, right now we're in the, we're in the athletic live room. We're going to go to the audience. If anyone in the live room right now has a question, press the raise hand button. We'll try to get to you. But right now we're going to Roger R. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Roger, how you doing? Hey, what's up? Um, my question for you guys is, um, do you guys feel like they need another like shooter on the team? Because I feel like so many times teams are just going to load up on like Jason and like force other guys to make plays, like guys like Schroeder, Smart. Even like Horford, like, like haven't been great shooting the ball. So I'm just like wondering, like, is that something you think Brad would like look at, um, as a potential upgrade just to at least make the offense easier and to like prevent like situations where like lesser three point shooters are forced to beat teams? Yeah, I do think they need a shooter. Um, I mean, the Clippers, they sent double teams at Jason Tatum. They played a zone sometimes that kind of flummoxed the Celtics. The, the Celtics absolutely need more shooting. But, like, right now with the roster they have, they just need to be – they keep saying it. They need to have more pace. They need to be sharper. They need to not, like, pound the ball in place and slow down and let the defense catch up. They need to do all the things to let them get away with being uh, a lesser shooting team, like cut hard. And it's, it's all, like, the coach speak stuff. and. I 
Like it's not basketball genius stuff, but but they need to execute at a much higher level to kind of get away with not having that much shooting. When you have yeah, like a smart Dennis Schroeder and a big man on the court, like those are three guys who teams are going to feel free to leave. And so you just have to do everything else right. And it, it again comes back to the defense because they're the lack of shooting really hurts them when they're forced to play half court offense. And if you're giving up buckets, you're forced to play in the half court and looking at the numbers like right now, obviously Pritchard and Neesmith are guys shoot potential shooters off the bench, but they just haven't really gotten a chance. And when they've been in Neesmith shooting 26% from three Pritchard's only 31%, like they've been disappointing, but you're getting a 42% uh from the three Grant Williams and you're getting Romeo shooting basically 42%. Josh Richardson is at 35%. Like that's all I kind of expected from Josh Richardson. Even Schroeder is close to 35%. I think the shooting has been fine. Like I think it's Tatum. Yes. I think Tatum is uh, obviously and Horford been, been disappointed. Al Horford's been shot is like, down close to 30%, which is much lower than I think any of us expected. Even how good he's been, um, I think most of his dominance has been on the offense or on the defensive end of the court. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you play double bigs, you're obviously you're going to have some suffer, some spacing, and maybe um, the kind of the, the shooting around them. Double bigs and Dennis is obviously just not going to be spacing. But you play defense, and then kind of those percentages that I just listed are a little bit more acceptable. You play defense and get more buckets in transition, and I think you can live with it. I just don't know where the shooting's coming from. Like, I don't know, are you trading Dennis Schroeder at this point? Like, who are you? Everyone in the, like, every team in the league is looking for a shooter. Everyone in the East is trying to, like, kind of improve their offense a little bit. And so I don't know if there's, like, an outside solution necessarily at this point because uh, I just think they have to play better and kind of make it so they're just not – so easily stoppable. Like if they just play half court offense, then teams, yeah, they're going to load up to Tatum and you know what? They're like, they're probably going to be pretty successful because it's generally hard to score uh, when you're being double teamed. Yeah. Yeah. That makes it, <laughs> makes it a little difficult. Let's go to Matthew S right now. Matthew, how's it going? Hey guys, question for you. And Sam, I think you kind of touched on this a second ago. But what is going on with Peyton Pritchard? Why are they not playing him? Um, keep on, uh, do not play coach's decision keeps happening with him. Um, after last season, don't we think he could, uh, could be part of, uh, part of the solution here? The, uh, yeah, go ahead, Sam. I was going to say, I, I think like, what was my dumbest take before the year that like, if everything goes well, they would bench Dennis Schroeder and they would have uh, Peyton Pritchard playing. Still yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty dumb take because Dennis has been one of the only guys who's like kind of score consistently for them. But I just think it's like, especially if Dennis is your backup point guard, I just don't know if there's minutes for Pritchard out there because I don't think you can play Pritchard and Schroeder together. That's just such a small lineup and you're basically just, you have no defense then. Like Dennis is not a good defender. I think Peyton Pritchard's a pretty solid defender, but he's like, he can guard. You can't really switch with Peyton Pritchard. You can't really switch with Dennis either. 
And so you're kind of limited when they're out there, no matter what. And so I just think Dennis has come in and taken Peyton's role. And I don't know, like, I, I can't see a situation absent Dennis getting hurt where Pritchard like comes in just because I just don't think you can play that small of a backward and like survive defensively. Yeah. yeah. When, when the Celtics were struggling against the Lakers down 14, I think to start the fourth quarter, Udoka went to Neesmith and Pritchard with Al Horford, Jason Tatum, and Marcus Smart. And that was the first time Pritchard and Neesmith had played with those three guys all season. And that was just weird to me. <laughs> That's kind of unfair to Pritchard and uh, Neesmith. It's like, hey, look, you're going to play, but you're never going to be with any of the good players on the team. So but, uh, have at it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's made it really tough on Pritchard and Neesmith. Like, I think the thing – that made Pritchard a valuable piece last year. It wasn't that he was like running the offense and running the show and, and being the man all the time. It was that he fit well with the Celtics better players and played off them and gave them spacing. And, you know, next to Marcus Smart, it made sense because Marcus Smart could guard bigger guards. He could guard point guards. So to not play him with guys like that as often and to play him with mostly second units, I think it's been a disservice to him. But I also think like at some point he's just got to earn, earn his minutes. Like they, they tried to play him with Dennis Schroeder early. It didn't really work. Now he's got to find his way. And obviously he went wild against Portland, but you know, they gave him, they gave him minutes against LA and he didn't really do too much with it. Like he was fine. But nothing wasn't like he really seized the opportunity. Udoka went to those guys hoping to juice. But Udoka was hoping to juice the offense. He went to Pritchard and Neesmith, thought maybe they'd give him a spark. And six minutes later, Udoka was like, "Nah, nah, nah. There's no spark there. Get get all the starters out. We're we're basically waving the white flag." So. I, I see why he hasn't played Pritchard, but I also think they have to give Pritchard and Neesmith better chances um, to thrive. Like, if you're throwing them out there with, like, some really well, bad hasn't, offensive haven't their roles lineups, kind of they're been... not going to, to, like, carry those lineups. But if you put them out there with the better players, then maybe they'll help make everything easier. So, Haven't their roles just been kind of taken by Dennis Schroeder and Josh Richardson? Like the like the guys who play with the starters and uh, Romeo Langford. And Romeo's been pretty solid. Like I've liked what I've seen from Romeo. Romeo, in terms of like catching the ball and attacking the closeout from the corner, has been worlds better than I've ever seen Romeo play before. I think they've been. I mean, I mean Romeo is shooting. Or he is scoring like nine points per thirty-six minutes, so he's not doing much offensively. Well, no one's really doing much offensively except for uh, the King Grant Williams. That's that's fair, but like, it's not like Romeo has set this incredible standard. Like he's shooting forty-one point seven percent from three, which is good. He's also shooting fifty-two point nine percent true shooting, which is. <laughs> pretty, Someone's pretty, bad. Pretty, pretty bad and also doing that on a very small role so it's not like he's like seized the minutes and done great with them um, 
obviously he's he's valuable defensively. But I, I do think like there's still there are still minutes available somewhere for somebody um, if if they do seize them. E- even with Schroeder and Richardson obviously stepping up and and playing like they played well. Schroeder Schroeder's been productive. Richardson has been solid. Like those guys have just outplayed the younger guys, and that's just a fact. Also, at the end of the day, if you're looking to Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard to be kind of like the answer or like the thing that like juices the offense at this point. Players one through seven on the roster are, are not doing their job. Like they shouldn't re- be relying on two second year players to juice the offense. And I understand that those guys are shooters and you're going to have a little bit of a disadvantage, especially if you're playing Horford and Williams in the double bigs. I don't – like, the, since that lineup with the double bigs is so, I think, effective defensively, I'm, like, hesitant to kind of go away from it. But I do think, like, in the final form of what this Celtics team is, do you think that's, like, their most effective lineup on both ends of the ball? Just because I just can't see a world in which that spacing works out. And I don't necessarily think that Dennis – is the right answer because he is not someone you can really switch with and not your strongest defensive lineup. And so I still think they're searching for the kind of who that fifth guy would be. And like in my ideal closing lineup, it's obviously the Jays, Marcus, Rob. I would actually go Rob over uh, Al at this point, just because I think he's much more dynamic on offense and is a switchier and can kind of get out and do some shot blocking right now. I think like Grant is the, the leader in the clubhouse is in terms of like you can he's physical he's big you can do a combo like different things with him and if he's going to continue to just knock down every three-pointer that he has in the corner that's pretty solid but I think like I don't know obviously it's still early in the season obviously the season doesn't start till Christmas but I wouldn't be surprised if like as the season went along like we're there you're probably going to see two bigs less and maybe some more more minutes for Grant, maybe closing Grant, just because it feels like when you go two bigs, you're just sacrificing so much offense, and uh, they obviously just don't have enough offense to kind of be able to go long periods in the game and just have that kind of spacing. And Jalen changes things for them. Like, he's he's missed half the season. It, it's not fair yet to judge this team. And on top of the, the all the games he's missed, like, he had COVID right before the season. He <laughs> He he missed all of or most of training camp with a new coach. So he was, you know, learning from behind in the first place. And and now, you know, he's been out for a long time. They're being smart, I think, and being cautious with him finally after they weren't the first time. So Yeah, what's up with that? They, they were getting a lot of credit or uh, at least Gorman was like, well, yeah, you get, you gotta be pretty, uh, pretty cautious with Jalen. Like they're doing the right thing now. And I feel like everyone just ignored when they brought him back when he was clearly not a hundred percent. It was like, are we, I guess they learned their lesson, but like they're being cautious with him now, just in the utmost caution. They're holding him out of these games. Should have done that for, uh, like a week ago when he clearly was hobbling, but, uh, it's kind of wild. Are you telling me, Jay, that an all star, 
who can score 25 points a game and is a elite athlete and one of the better transition players in the uh, in the game. You tell me that would help this Celtics team right now? Yes. Yes, I am. That is my expert analysis. That's why you're the kid and I'm just a, a professional sports fan. <laughs> All right, I'm kind of going uh, going crazy, folks. I got to get back to to studying. I got final exams coming up. Jay, are, are you, you more of a final exams? Yeah, yeah, bro. Good luck, my G. Are you more of a strict liability guy or more of a negligence guy? I'm a negligence guy. Huh? Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I, I was a. Uh, I took business law. <laughs> Oh yeah, what you learn? I got an A in business law. And oh, yeah. in business law too. What you know Ooh. about that? Ooh, business law too, the sequel. <laughs> business law. In, in, in what? Um, have you applied anything you've learned in business law to your career as a uh, NBA journalist? Absolutely not. There's nothing <laughs> I did in college that is remotely remotely worthwhile to me today it was an extreme waste of my parents money sorry mom and dad especially dad i know you're you're listening to my mom i don't think she listens <laughs> uh, yeah wasted their money wasted my time but i'm here but i'm here i made it here but you're here now and we're um happy for it and um it, just let me ask you jay is is rylan's these fletcher is that potable As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.